Today, I've got a young man with a bright future ahead of him, our head of developer sales, Finton, and myself, uh, Paul, operations director at Allsop and Allsop. We've got a few, cover, uh, few topics to cover today. I think one theme that's going to run through them is why we feel the Dubai property market is vastly undersupplied at the moment. Coming on to the first topic, uh, something we've been asked quite a few times recently, so we thought we'd cover it. How does the market compare now to how it compared in 2009? And the reason for that question is there seems to be a lot of global instability or global economic instability at the moment, as the word was in 2008. We had the global crash and we know what happened to Dubai property market at the time. It was flying beforehand. The crash hit the Dubai property market. I can kind of fell through a floor, really, if we're being honest. I think 50% worth of value got, got wiped off most properties. So Dubai at the moment, again, is in a very, very good place. The, the, if you talk to anyone, read any newspaper, the market's flying. So if there was a, a global economic scenario, would we see the same happen in Dubai as we did back in 2009? These are the questions we were asked. We have our opinion on it that we'll, uh, that we'll share now. If I, I'll speak for a second or so, then ask, ask Finton to, to chip in as well. The reasons I don't think uh, we will see a repeat of 2009, 2008, 2009 is back then, Every man and his dog was looking to invest in Dubai real estate. People would put their whole life savings into 2% of a property or a building or a floor with the hope that it's the old, old age old story. They'd queue up, dead by their 2% or 10%. They'd walk to the back of a queue and sell it for a 10% premium. And it was this kind of utopia where this had, this had been going on for, for a little while. And people had put themselves in such a position that when the economic crisis came, all of a sudden, there was no one at the back of the queue that was going to, you know, rebuy their share of a property with a 10% premium. They'd put the whole life savings into whether it's two, five, 10%. At the same time, developers were selling buildings or villa communities on a desk like this. They have lots of pieces of paper in front of them. People would point, they take 10% deposit and they do the job, they'd sell the building out. But instead of using that money for to build the building, they'd use that money to buy another plot of land. And there'd be no money in the pot to actually build the building. So, so this was going on as well, which was good for a period of time. But again, when the economy, economy crashed, there was no money in the pot to build these buildings that they signed contracts for and they'd committed to. Mortgages at the time were 95, 99% mortgages. Um, so it was just a time where everyone just thought Dubai real estate was a quick book. Fast forward to now, we've got so much more equity in the market, 20% for your first property, 40% for your second property in terms of deposit amount and cash you want to, to put into the market. There's so many more rules, regulations, escrow accounts to make sure developers are collecting money and they, they spend it on the the, uh, the projects that they're launching. And the market's matured. The market now is a heavily end user based market where people are, are moving to live and set up, set up their lives. It's not people putting all the life savings into something to try and make a quick book. People are really thinking about it and, and taking a measured approach. So I don't know if I've left you a lot of room to manoeuvre or comment there, Vincent. You're, you're, you're covered an awful lot there, yeah. but I think as well as that, Dubai real estate market uh, with freehold uh, entering in for overseas people to buy was in its infancy. There wasn't a framework around it to support protections, but it wasn't just Dubai. Uh, we had our agency in Ireland uh, back at that period of time, and there people were jumping on the bandwagon. There was people buying in Bulgaria, Turkey, places that they never heard. They had to actually go and look to a map to see where they were. But they were following the herd. So we've also got to say here is that back at that point in time, like now we have so much data available to make really well informed decisions. Back then that wasn't there. It was following the crowd. It was infantile behavior. 
And really what, what people were doing with their life savings was going to uh, like a roulette table yeah. because they were going by what somebody else said, not knowing who that person was, not knowing what was happening on the ground. But since then, we've seen how Dubai has grown. Tourists are coming in here. They're seeing it firsthand. And every time they come here and they come year after year, they see the infrastructure, they see how it's grown. Most importantly, um, the framework there to support investors and the protections, as you mentioned, with escrow accounts and developers only being able to take money out of that escrow account when the work has been independently certified. So I think with that infantile behavior, if you're looking to put down money for a quick flip, it carries higher risk and eventually somebody's going to get burned somewhere along the line. But now we're looking at the, the two principles of investment is timing the market or time in the market. And I think a lot more people are now saying, right now Dubai offers me a sustainable um, rental income for that five to 10 year period. We're not seeing those people that are coming in saying, yeah, I'm buying now because I'm going to flip in two years or I'm buying now. There's a very, a seasoned investor is very different to the general people we see coming in and, and buying like this. It's true. Very true. Okay, that's topic number one covered. Yep. Topic number two. There's been a lot of talk and headlines about oversupply in the market. We've been quite vocal over the last six, eight, nine months or so saying we think there's an undersupply, but we get hit by the same things. There's hundreds of thousands, villas and apartments handing over and being launched over the next few years. So with that in mind, why do we think that there's undersupply in the market at the moment? Well, first of all, at the period of COVID, we came out with the urban plan for 2040. So the plan for 2040 was uh, population growth and how we were going to get to 5.8 million um, back in 20, by the, time, the year 2040. At that point in time, the population was about 3.5 million. And we've spoken about this time and time again. In order to have the population at 5.8, Dubai needs houses. We can see the rents going up in certain communities. There is not, the supply on the ground is not there. So again, we have to be very careful about Dubai. There's so many sub uh, segments and markets. We, we can't generalize. But right now, um, we're seeing now the blueprint for the next decade. So we know where we want to be in 2040. Dubai, uh, the government Sheikh has announced D33. 33 is great for an Irishman saying. But, <laughs> but we're looking there and we're seeing what are the, what are the, 50, the projects being listed? What are, what's going to be implemented? We're looking at being uh, one of the top uh, cities for living in in the country in the in the world. We're looking at a tech hub that's well underway. Facebook last year came over here and opened up their new HQ. We're looking at being a, a recognised financial centre in the world with the likes of Hong Kong, Singapore. So, you know, there's the plan for 2040. It sounds very far away. Now we've brought the plan down for the next 10 years. And what we're seeing on the ground is when the projects that were handed were uh, launched in 2016 and 17. The market is absorbing them and with the, the trajectory that Dubai is going, that supply that's being launched now will equally be uh, absorbed on handover. Definitely. And just to add to a point that you that you made at the start about undersupplying prime areas. So there's two things in this. Obviously, we saw property prices both on the sales and rental side increase quite a lot yep. last year. Just I know Lewis and Carl covered the annual report last week in the podcast, so I won't go on too much, but in a lot of prime areas. We saw listing amounts come down whilst demand going up, which which proves your point exactly. And then in, in terms of available to move into properties, talking on the sales market in communities, we did a study the other day in, in a few of the major villa communities and you'd have maybe 40, 40 genuine listings online once we cut through 
um, well, fake listings, if we're going to be blunt, blunt yeah. and put a name on it. But you'd have maybe three or four that are vacant on transfer. And with end users at the moment, who are buying in villa communities, it's not, investors aren't really buying in villa communities anymore. They want a property they can move into. So when we're talking about you can have a whole huge villa community and four properties that you can actually move into when, when you buy it, that for us is another reason, another argument why we're saying the market is grossly undersupplied at the moment because genuine list, genuine available listings are down so much, demand has increased so much, which leads us to this situation where, where we are both on the rental and sales side with the, the price increases. But that's all feeding into the demand for off-plan properties because as you said, people cannot find that vacant on transfer home. We have projects now that are launched, be ready in two to three years, and people are seeing that better quality. And they know if they buy something that's uh, tenanted, they have to give you a year's notice. But now they're looking, interest rates are high. Maybe I'll go for that pro- uh, property that I can handpick, maybe have a say in how it looks or feels at the very end. Um, and by the time we expect that's on a handover, we expect that the interest rates will be lower than today. So it's feeding back into the off-plan because there's a lack of supply today. Yeah, and that leads us on to our next topic, which again is, is off-plan related. 2023 has been earmarked of the year as the year of sustainability. So how is uh, sustainability affecting developers' mindset? I know we've, we've seen a couple of launches uh, and a lot of developers talking more about the introduction of sustainable properties. So if I could ask you to, to summarise what developers are thinking and what sustainable prop- what we mean by sustainable properties. So I think even when you listen to the breakfast business news in the morning time, the word that keeps on popping up is sustainable. It's sustainable. It's just last, it's last week. Yeah, no. <laughs> uh, last week in Abu Dhabi was the, the week sustainability week. Okay. Uh, we hear about sustainable aviation fuel. We're hearing about sustainable finance. And really people aren't too sure what this is. Now, when we talk about real estate, we're talking about uh, construction. So now we're looking at more efficient designs and material, less water usage, um, that throughout the lifestyle of, of the property, they're going to be uh, better designed, uh, better built, uh, better operated and maintained. So the durability of that asset is going to last longer. So that's from the construction side. Now we look at the consumer. What does sustainability look like for the consumer? The, the consumer there is, okay, I live in sustainable city, so I, I see this firsthand. Um, what are the concerns? Um, energy, you know, recycling of, of, of water, uh, noise pollutions throughout the community are reduced because we have cycle areas on pedestrian areas only. Um, therefore, we have better air quality because we have less cars going around our community. The cars drive around the perimeter. Um, so there's a lot more focus now being put on green buildings. And again, on those principles I spoke about of energy efficiency, uh, the materials being used, water conservation, uh, durability. Um, but now we're seeing that there's a global standard, uh, LED, LWD, and that's a, a global standard. And we're seeing projects in Al-Farjan, Zazen Gardens, a very much a first time uh, buyer uh, apartments uh, close to the, the metro line. They are now uh, going to be uh, gold certified. We look at uh, the autograph in JVC, another project by the Green Group. Their, their principles of what they're selling on is they got solar power to reduce the running cost of the common areas. We have uh, more efficient AC units, the uh, less water consumption, and the air quality is better. So the, the benefits are to the uh, 
end user or the person living there. And so, sorry to interrupt the question you've got then, both for end users, because a lot of end users buy off plan, I think we need to, yeah. to make that point, and for investors. How, mo how much importance are they putting at the moment on a sustainable property? Is it something they're particularly after, or is it still come down to maybe the community, the size, the return on investment they can get, the, the location? It's, it's, on, it's, it's sh shifting up the agenda. So, you know, is everyone living in a sustainable city, a tree hugger? No, we're not. I'm not, I'm not a, tree, a tree hugger, okay? But I do care about my DWA bill, okay? And when my DWA bill, and I talk to other people that are in villa communities, and my DWA bill uh, at this time of the year is less than 600 dirham, I'm like, I'm smiling because it's, it's also financially more sustainable for me, okay? Um, but I'm also looking at, um, okay, the principle, the, the size, the bedroom, the location, that still stands. But if you look at last week during Sustainability Week in Abu Dhabi, we have diamond developers who, who develop the new concept of the sustainable city here in uh, Dubai, partner up with um, Aldar in Abu Dhabi, one of the biggest developers in Abu Dhabi. And all I can tell you is what people are doing, the people that are investing and buying. So within uh, the first 24 hours of sales opening, uh, there was sales in the first phase of 512 homes of over 1 billion dirhams. 76% of those people were expats, people here on the ground that have a choice of all the different communities to live in, um, and 24% was overseas. So there is a healthy demand, yeah. The other flip side for an, uh, an investor in that kind of concept is we have zero service fees for life. In this project, it's five years service fees are zero, and then they're going to have the concept extends that will have retail areas that will have a rental income coming into the community that will go towards paying for the landscaping, the security, the pool maintenance, et cetera, et cetera. So um, definitely from an investor's point of view, anything that has zero service fees, that shifts up on the agenda, okay? And it's uniqueness value in a market that is lots of different options um, will remain constant because there's nobody else doing this uh, complete community where you can cycle to school and go up and have your uh, lunch and everything within the, the, without even your community. Good. We need to wrap up, I think. We've just been okay. given a, a hand signal by the guys. Okay. Um, quickly before we go, we can't finish the podcast without mentioning the launch of Royal Atlantis wow. this week. Exactly. Wow, I mean, wow, wow. what an event that was. I saw somebody put a comment um, on social media that congratulations to everyone that bought in Royal Atlantis because not only have you seen 100% price increase in the last couple of years, you've also seen another 50% after the last couple of days. Which yeah. is a so it's funny. People were saying that the the um, amount that was reported that Beyonce got paid was obscene for Dubai as the economy. That was a drop in the ocean because the coverage Dubai got and the delivering of a a world class building that is rarely seen across the globe. It is now just we're here. We're open for business, and they are now attracting the wealth. And it feels good, doesn't it? This is what Dubai is. Love it or hate it. Dubai is the place for Beyonce coming to open a building, the fireworks, and a big a big launch of a huge, iconic worldwide development. We've not with COVID and everything else, maybe we've not seen that for a little while now, but this is Dubai. But, but this is again, Beyonce and that was all very special, but this is on the back of coming out of COVID, putting on the biggest show in the world, Expo. And again, last thing on sustainability, Expo City is highlighting the 2040 plan of being uh, a landmark global uh, concept that you're going to have a sustainable 
uh, city where you can walk to work within 20 minutes. And that's what the Sheikh wants. He wants that quality of life, not just for the people that are coming to Atlantis in that super prime market, but for the everyday person that comes in here, that the quality of life is better. And again, a showcase like that gets the world's attention. Good. Perfect. Thank yeah. you very much, Finton. Thank Pleasure. you, everyone, for watching and listening. As always, we request, if you do enjoy it, just like and follow the channels if you can. Add any comments, if you've got any questions, any topics you want us to cover, if you agree or disagree with us. And then I think you'll be right with Carl and Lewis next week. So until next time, thank you.